As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul when he was fresh out the hospital Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through So tell me why you mad even Your team gonna be sad leaving After matching up with Brad Stevens Each season, champion contenders We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba <laughs> Your team whack and your players whacker I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer Okay, we about chips here I'm talking about this year Band of 12 plus 6 here Fast PP Top rookie, I'm seeing it now Ain't playing around with Brown, we off the charts, but you gotta play it, Marcus Smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you less than 12 hours after the conclusion of the NBA draft, and I can think of no better time to give the final and permanent grade For all of these draft selections, we're going to start with the 45th pick in the bet in the draft. The Celtics, it was a lot of hype coming into this draft for them. No one really knew who they were going to take at 45. I know there's a a lot of Herb Jones heads out there who are hoping he would fall. Unfortunately, he didn't make it. But the Celtics went with um, Juron Bengaron, French. Could you please try that again? I'm just you going based on Chris Forsberg. He, he tweeted out a pronunciation. It says, Juan Bengaron. Am I wrong? You're the reporter here. You tell me how to pronounce his name. I, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, however, he's very athletic. Extremely athletic. With an extremely lengthy wingspan. and Standing reach of something like eight, eight and a half foot feet. Nine, eight foot nine inches, actually. Even more than eight and a half feet. Extremely positive wingspan. Very gifted physically. 
He and he's 18 years old. A lot of upside to grow into. He hasn't really done much in his professional career. He just played in the second division in France this year. But his highlights are awesome. They are he brings the thunder with dunks. He's very, very athletic. And <laughs> in Sam Vecini's draft guide, he wrote that he loves to posterize people. Ooh, well, that's a good uh thing to have as L- a let me read the exact line. It said he's almost like an enormous running back who wants to run players over in the secondary, except Begarine wants to posterize everyone. That's great. I mean, that's the mentality you want your 18-year-old French draft and stash guy to have. Uh, it seems pretty obvious that he will not be on the Celtics next year. Yep. But he's maybe coming over in the future. I think you have to give the draft – I mean, the pick, it's an A+. plus. There, I can't think of any other grade uh, other than A+. plus. It's just – he could be the next Giannis, you know? A European guy who's a freak athlete at 18, maybe his growth plates – Maybe he'll grow a couple more inches in the next couple of years. But, um, yeah, his highlights are fantastic. He's obviously more developed physically than Giannis was at that age. Well, that's kind of a – Giannis was a little taller. But but if we're really going to compare the two, then you're going to have to say that Begarin is further along on the developmental stage. I mean, the French connection, the Celtics have really hit on their past um, French uh, draft picks and signings. Yabu, uh, Vinny Sexpants, uh, Begaron is just uh, the next the, in four, Fournier was a solid acquisition, at least. Maybe they just did this to kind of uh, placate Fournier um, in trying to re-sign him this offseason. I guess what was your biggest takeaway from the fact that he's a drafted stash guy? Like, this clearly – they're not trying to add someone to impact or even trying to make the team this year. Does that mean Brad, like the Brad's thinking this roster and his two way spots are going to have like be at much higher of an NBA level? No, I think Brad wants to add veterans. And he was very clear about that in his press conference after the draft that he wants to add edge is one word he used. And he wants to add experience to the Celtics roster. And so I I think as the coach of that team last year, he was very frustrated that he often had to play unproven players, that he often had to play guys who probably didn't deserve to be on the court, and that the Celtics' lack of depth really hurt them at times, and that, quite honestly, they they had a lot of roster spots that weren't wasted on young guys but were used on young guys that weren't really ready to impact winning yet. And so I think he is setting out to change that. I think that by trading the first round draft pick and using the second round draft pick on a draft and stash, that is an obvious signal that Brad intends to use as many roster spots as possible to to bring in experienced veterans who can contribute to the supporting cast and and do it with a, a level of polish, a level of IQ, a level of savviness that the Celtics just didn't have deep in their bench last season. And they had to go deep in their bench a lot because they were injured and because they had COVID and everything else. Um, and I think that really bothered Stevens about the roster, that that it was built in such a way. And I think 
he believes that by fixing that problem, it'll go a long way toward accentuating Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and lifting up the rest of the roster. Now, it makes sense to me that he wants edge and experience. That was his phrase, edge and experience. I don't know how he does it because they don't have a lot of cap space, as me and you have talked about, ad like, especially uh, if they re-sign Evan Fournier. Uh, so the edge and experience will also have to be cheap. And I don't know how they necessarily pick up the guys who you uh, with the appropriate amount of edge. Like Jeff Teague, I don't know how much edge he had, but he was brought in last year. He has plenty of experience. NBA Finals champ Jeff Teague. Uh, it was great to see him walking in the hallway after the uh, Bucks won the title. Just saying, I got an A on a group project. Great self-awareness from um, Finals Teague. But you can say edge and experience all you want, but there's no – path to that uh given just like the limited amount of money that they're going to have available to go after players of that caliber especially if they re-sign Fournier is there any update on the Fournier re-signing thing any new news are we just basically in the same they could have five million dollars or 5.9 I know you get upset when I don't give the full um mid-level exception or what is it what's the taxpayer mid-level or non-taxpayer mid-level nine point something yeah close to ten so is there? do we have any update on kind of like how much money they're going to be able to spend on this edge and experience? I would bet that they probably bring back Evan Fournier on some sort of probably at least semi-reasonable contract um, and that he will be part of that experience, part of that edge. And then they'll have the taxpayer mid-level exception to use. They'll have their trade exception, remainder of that trade exception that came in the Gordon Hayward trade. They'll they could try to trade Tristan Thompson for a wing or a point guard. Um the guys who could be available at, at the taxpayer level could be like Patty Mills, who's been good for a long time and and still has a lot. It could be somebody like Rudy Gay, who has been very productive over the last several years in San Antonio. It could be a number of players like that. And you bring up Jeff Teague, which is obviously the most recent example for the Celtics of, you know, the the veteran that they targeted last offseason. But I think that was a very different year for them because they were waiting on Gordon Hayward's answer. And and their idea the entire offseason was to bring back Gordon Hayward and basically run it back with the team that reached the Eastern Conference Finals the year before, when Hayward left, they didn't have time to recover. And a lot of the free agents that they would have targeted were already gone. And so I think they ended up with Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. That was not at all their first plan. Uh, And I think this year, knowing exactly what they'll have to spend, they should have a, a better plan better timing for trying to get guys who will actually make a difference um, instead of a guy, an addition like, like Jeff Teague who did have experience, but just didn't no have edge. much left. Didn't no have much edge. left. The edge part is important. That was, he led, he didn't say experience and edge. He said edge and experience. So we know uh, how they're going to prioritize their targets. Also uh, last night, the Celtics signed a undrafted Virginia forward, Sam Hauser to a, uh, two-way contract. He will be playing summer league 
uh, his nickname, someone tweeted us, his nickname is like uh, Big Smooth, which I think is a strong start. His for Twitter name, isn't it? Yes, Twitter handle is Big Smooth 10. Uh, could be related to Cole Hauser, a great actor. What do you give the uh, grade, the Sam Hauser sign-in? Because I think it has to be an A+. plus. <laughs> and why do you think it has to be an A+. Plus? I mean, it's a shooter. Uh, he's got big, smooth 10. I mean, how else are you going to evaluate a two-way signing that happens immediately after the draft, uh, seven hours after it happened? I think there's no other way to kind of come down on the issue. I think you could be negative, but that's not what I'm here to do on this podcast. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's probably the right type of signing with a two-way deal. He's a 6'8 shooter. He shot 43.9% during his college career. He can really, really shoot that thing, and he has a lot of size. He hasn't been a great defender at all. Um, but if if you can work on some of those things and turn him into even a more versatile shooter, then there's something to work with. There's an obvious NBA skill that he has, an obvious size that he has. And so that's the type of swing that makes sense for a two-way contract a guy that will probably spend a lot of time with the main Celtics, um, but has a chance because of his shooting to eventually crack into the NBA. If he's one of the two-way guys, what does that mean for Taco and or Tremont Waters? Like You can only have two two-way guys. I'm assuming, I think, if I had to guess, Tremont Waters is going to want to go to a place where he's going to have much more of an opportunity is there any update regarding him or uh, Taco and, and whether or not they would remain on two-way contracts or they're going to be looking for opportunities elsewhere? Yeah, my guy Jared Weiss reported that Tremont is likely headed elsewhere. Um, Taco, I'm not sure about. Uh, obviously, with, with this new two-way signing, they only have one spot left. And I believe you can only sign three years – on a two-way contract, so Taco could only sign a, a one-year two-way deal now um, if he were to to sign that. So he, he's a little bit limited in his two-way options at this point. Um, but, yeah, Hauser will take one of those spots, one of the two spots, and we'll see what they do with the other one. I mean, it's going to be a very exciting summer league team with Hauser possibly. Can we, call, can we call him Doogie? We just did. Doogie, I mean, another reason for an A-plus signing, Doogie Hauser, the young, fresh-faced killer. Whose house is it? Sam's house. Oh, wow. See, the league's headlines write themselves. We also know that Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford, Moses Brown will all be participating in summer league for the Celtics. Who we call him Eddie? Eddie Hauser. Eddie House? Er? <laughs> you just came. This is, the, this is the morning podcast that we need. Is it coming fresh? I haven't slept kids? yet. I haven't slept yet. Oh, wow. Pulling the all-nighter. That's impressive, Jay King. That's the kind of commitment you want from your the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from TheAthletic.com. Jay, will you be going out to Las Vegas to watch these uh, these Summer League Celtics? I sure will. And it, it, it could be a pretty good Summer League team. They have a lot of guys with NBA experience. Or in Yamadar's case, I international experience at a high level. So they should have... An exciting summer league team. Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, 
three guys who were last seen playing big minutes against the Nets in the playoffs will soon be playing against big minutes against the Nets in summer league. Yeah. So it's interesting that they have like a, a number of third year guys doing it. Carson, um, Romeo, and who was the other one? I think there was one more, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, like Romeo was just starting in the playoffs against Kevin Durant, and now he's back in summer league. But I think it, it it'll it'll be important for him um, to kind of spread his wings a little bit. Um, they'll probably give him some action at point guard because that's a position that they've contemplated turning him into long term. Um, and you know, the Neesmith too. Peyton Pritchard, those guys didn't get summer league before their rookie years. So that can be a time to develop, a time to grow confidence. And I'm excited for a little summer league basketball. It's been a while since summer league basketball has has happened. And if anyone's out there in Vegas, Vegas J. King is a, a one of my favorite versions of J. King. Uh, it's a fun time. So if you have a chance, make sure to tweet at him, shout him out, get, you know, get a selfie with him. It's a great experience. Shouts to Peyton Pritchard for throwing a strike last night when he threw out the uh, first pitch at this Red Sox game. And then he was even better in baseball, they say, than he was in basketball, which is wild. Like what you you know how he woke up every morning at like 530 to do crazy dribbling drills. What did he what did he do to like become a to work on his pitching skills? What is a well, he wasn't a pitcher. I think he was a shortstop. That makes sense. That makes too much sense. Yeah, but obviously just he could throw taking, he could throw taking grounders just four hours a day after uh, making his hands bleed from dribbling. Now, Jay, I know you're the reporter on this podcast, but Wednesday night I did see former Dark House candidate of the year, Javante Green, out to dinner in a uh, Boston restaurant. Does this mean Javante Green is coming back to the Celtics or – was he just enjoying a local restaurant? Your thoughts? Well, Jason Tatum did post on Instagram that he's looking forward to. I think he said a reunion with him he this did. year. He did. So that was interesting. And obviously, Javante is a very close friend of Tatum's. And obviously, he's in the area. Um, I'm, I don't know for sure one way or the other, whether the Celtics intend to bring him back. Um, but, I mean, if if they do, he is a extremely athletic, close friend of Jason Tatum. Does he have edge and does he have experience, though? He has edge, not so much experience. And he certainly has bounce. He has bounce. He has I, I just want to see Javante. I just want to see Javante jump again on a semi-regular basis. The longest, most explosive jumper uh, the Celtics have ever employed. If they do sign him, I would have to give the signing an A plus, um, just because he knows the system and he's uh, elite jumper. It was just weird to see the Jim Tatum Instagram thing. Like looking forward to that reunion with Shamrock, 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 and then he walks into the same restaurant I'm in. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, given all the players we just mentioned on the summer league roster who have the kind of potential to be on the back end of the Celtics roster. And then also Brad being like, we want to add edge and experience. Like they already have the top five guys kind of solidified. We just mentioned like seven guys on the summer league roster. 
I don't know where Javante necessarily fits in, but maybe if you're just doing things to make Jason Tatum happy, it, it works out. Yeah. I mean, you got to keep Tatum happy. Got to keep him happy. Plus, Javante is extremely, <laughs> extremely athletic. And in limited time, like he was typically not awful. Had some moments. Yeah. Remember when they were toyed with starting him when uh, when Kemba was hurt at the beginning of last season? And now Kemba's gone. So now he's makes, your starting point guard. Makes, makes you think. <laughs> really makes you think. Kemba is gone. Javante is back. So it lets you know where Brad's priorities are. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. A few other storylines coming out of the NBA draft. I think the biggest story was the Washington Wizards trading Russell Westbrook to the Los Angeles Lakers for, what was it, the Kyle Kuzma and KCP, the, the package deal that no one in the league wanted. Did they also get, uh, what, Montrez Harrell in there? Yes. And uh, second round picks. Yes. So the big, the new big three: Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, making somewhere near a hundred and fifteen million dollars next year. I'm going to need your grades from the Lakers' perspective and the Wizards' perspective, uh, and then we'll talk about how that affects Bradley Beal because that's only the only reason we're talking about it. For a super talented guy. There is no worse fit for the Lakers <laughs> than Russell Westbrook. The there trade is isn't. an F. It is an F. There just isn't. Like, he is a total non-shooter who tries to shoot and who will take possessions away from LeBron James and Anthony Davis without spacing the court or making things easier for them offensively. I just, Many times you can put a non ball dominant non shooter around LeBron James. I mean, you just you got to do it. I just don't see how the Lakers looked around and thought, you know what? Let's let's acquire this extremely expensive and very volatile point guard who every team will completely ignore. And stick an extra guy in the middle of the lane to stop our actually great players, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. To me, Buddy Heald would have been a much, much better acquisition, a much, much better fit. And that was and, rumored to start the day. Like we woke up with the rumors that basically that same exact package was going to the Kings for Buddy Heald, a guy who's great at shooting threes and seems like it would be a much better fit around LeBron James-led team. I don't know why that deal didn't go through. Maybe the it, Kings are just like, we don't want to deal with the, the Lakers. But, yes, adding Russell Westbrook does not make any sense. 
the only way it makes sense is that Lakers fans have uh, like a lot of Lakers exceptionalism and will uh, just lie out their asses on Twitter and defend the Lakers. So will Russell Westbrook stands and kind of the, the mixing of the two of them. I think there's going to be a lot of great online moments where Lakers fans are defending Russell Westbrook while he shoots 17% from three this year. It's ironic that the Lakers roster now needs to be healed after oh, they God. failed to acquire buddy. Woo! Jay King working on no sleep coming with the puns. It just doesn't make any, you're right. It's a, it's kind of a nonsense deal. It's kind of feels like LeBron was like, go get me an all-star. I was like, buddy healed hasn't made the all-star team. And so it's like, doesn't have the clout. We need another star in here. I don't know why the Lakers are doing it. They're paying it an absurd amount of money. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I think no matter what with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they're going to be a competitive team, but what does it make sense for the wizards? They free up a bunch of cap room. And I've seen some people say this means Bradley Beal is going to ask out, but I've also seen a bunch of people say, no, this was made with the intention of re-signing Bradley Beal to give him an extension to free up more room or to get uh, more cap room to go after players to make Washington a more desirable destination. I think getting like rid of Westbrook does make the Wizards a more desirable destination. Some talk of Spencer Dimwitty uh, joining the Wizards, and I saw some ridiculous tweet that was like, Dimwitty, Bradley Beal, and some third guy could be a new big three down in Washington. Uh, obviously, everyone's going to connect Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum. What do you think this means for Beal's long-term future? I'm going to treat you like Fred Katz right now. What does this mean for Bradley Beal's long-term future for the Washington Wizards? Our guy, Marcus Thompson at The Athletic, reported that he's hearing Bradley Beal intends to stay in Washington. I still think the Wizards have a lot of pressure on them to build the right type of team around him and quickly. To me, they actually did okay with with their trades and then their, their draft pick, like – they picked up Kuzma, who will, will who has become a pretty good defender and will probably score a lot for them. They picked up KCP, who is definitely a helpful wing. Solid they defender, actually shot 40% from three last year. Like, is a type of guy you want on your team. Yeah, they didn't really have any wings last year whatsoever. They were starting woo, Raul woo, Neto woo. next to Beal and, and Westbrook. So, I, I think... Those two additions are important. Trez is definitely a good regular season player, at least. And then Corey Kispert will give them a lot of shooting, uh, even as a rookie, I think. So they lost Westbrook, but I don't think they'll take a, a big step back record-wise at all next year. No, we they, just talked about how Westbrook is hurts your team and is not like... Well, I, I don't think he hurt them. I, I think... I think he was helpful for them. I think he helped guide them into the the playing game. I think th they made the playoffs. Um, I think he is just a bad fit next to LeBron and Anthony Davis. I would have wanted more spacing. I would have wanted more of a half-court threat than Russ. I would have wanted somebody who could actually shoot the ball um, because that's how LeBron James has always thrived with – with shooting around him. So it's not that Russ is bad. It's just, he's not a good fit 
Um, they, I think it's that they should that. be electric in transition, though. <laughs> they they could have a lot of transition highlights. That is for certain. Um, I just want to shout out Seabart, <clears throat> our most loyal YouTube commenter, showing up for the breakfast episode, saying that uh, if the Wizards sign Spencer Dimwitty, Bradley Beal's not going anywhere. And I remember the third player in the new big three of the Wizards. It's uh, Hachimura, Hachimura, Dimwitty, Beal, the big three the entire East is uh, afraid of. If Beal's staying around or they're prepared to sign this extension, it just doesn't seem like the like him coming to the Celtics is a realistic option via trade, or I don't think the Celtics are going to wait for this entire year for Beal to be potentially become a free agent just because if they want to have max cap space for that situation, they would have to not re-sign Fournier, not extend Marcus Smart, not extend Robert Williams, and basically let all of those people go. I think the question for me when I'm thinking about all these things is not next offseason, but the following offseason, which is something you've mentioned, is when Jokic becomes a free agent, when Embiid becomes a free agent. How much does that kind of impact the Celtics' decision-making this offseason in terms of trying to re- – like, do you only re-sign Fournier to like try to get him to do just a two-year deal so you have that kind of cap space available for someone like um, Embiid or Jokic? Or is it the type of thing where you just, if those guys want to come to Boston, then you figure out sign and trades or, or just ways to get them there, and you can't really like plan to have cap space that far down in the future? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a balance. Uh, and Brad Stevens said that he's going to keep in mind long term team building as he goes about this summer. So I assume that means he won't want to sign super long contracts or sign contracts that could be bad if if the Celtics need to move them like if if you sign a contract that's good value it it doesn't matter like you can move that whenever and and clear cap space and do what you need to do it it's- also feels like sign and trades have become a lot more popular uh recently where if a big star is leaving just even get a trade exception back like it's just you're, it's much more easy or it's easier to kind of just figure out the cap fit mechanics after that and just like give back whoever you need to to kind of facilitate that deal. Yeah, that, that could be another option. So I don't think it's necessarily like a crusher of their long-term dreams if they sign Evan Fournier to a reasonable contract. If they extend Marcus Smart, even up to his max, that would probably have value throughout the duration of it um his max extension i mean and it's not like a full max contract it's just the most he can make under an extension which i believe begins at 17.2 million dollars um per season and then so but yeah i mean stevens has a lot to juggle because he does want to add veterans and he does want to add edge uh, and he does want to obviously bolster the supporting cast for this team and make life easier for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but he also has those longer-term considerations to account for, and this is his first year as a president of basketball operations. So I just think Danny left him in a tough spot, and he needs to navigate through that. Um, he obviously started that with the Kemba Walker trade, but there's still a lot of work to do 
to bring this Celtics team from like mildly interesting to hopefully in their eyes a contender one day not too far down the road and a like legitimate everyone thinks they're a contender contender I don't think it necessarily happens for them next year but it's definitely because of the Jason Tatum Jalen Brown window is something you have to be building towards almost immediately but I can't see a deal or something that happens this offseason that immediately vaults them into like contender uh position when does free agency actually start? I'm very thrown off by I this. I think it's August 2nd is so, when teams can start start negotiating. Oh, with, like that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So so we'll probably start hearing about agreements maybe before today? August 2nd. Yeah. Today is when we start hearing about them? Yeah. Uh, so when – Whatever happens with the Celtics um, at that August 2nd deadline, Jay and I will be here. Jay, I want to get your reactions from anything else on draft night. Um, I don't know a lot about the draft, but I know that the Raptors drafting Scotty Barnes was an F. Had to be an F. Terrible pick. Um, You can't draft that guy. Uh, That's all I'm hearing. It was a four-player draft, and they drafted the fifth guy. What a bunch of idiots. Your thoughts. Yeah, I I actually think Scotty Barnes will be pretty good. He's he's big. He knows how to play. He's going to be an impact player at the NBA level. I just think passing on Jalen Suggs was a monster mistake. I think he is going to be a many-time All-Star. I think nobody can keep him out of the paint. I think he's a great competitor. I think he's a great passer. He is exactly the type of prospect I would want in my organization on so many levels. And the Raptors had a chance to pick him up. It would have been very easy. He dropped to them at number four. They should have been so excited. And instead, they go with Scotty Barnes. Who's just what? Um, an American version of Becheron? Like how, how good is this guy really? He's all like, a freak athlete who can't shoot or do anything else. Sounds like at forty five, it's a great pick. At at four, it's not. And we're, yes, I'm saying they are the same player. <laughs> oh no, that is very very wrong. Um, <laughs> Begaron is much more athletic. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, he is much more athletic, but Scotty Barnes is good, man. Scotty Barnes is a good prospect, but. Isn't he but like kind of overlap with like what Siakam does? Like I just Yeah, but like you can't really have too many of those types of guys in the NBA. The, like you can't have too many long, switchy, versatile guys. The yes, problem you can. It's the problem the Orlando with Orlando Magic. Well, the problem with Barnes and to an extent Siakam too is that Barnes can't shoot yet. And maybe he will one day and obviously the Raptors are betting on him becoming a shooter and becoming a a better scorer but in college he certainly wasn't a knockdown shooter um but he did a lot of other things and i like his game i just do not like his game more than jalen suggs's game that that was a stunner that was pretty much the biggest stunner of the draft just because it felt like all i heard about was this four four person draft like obvious top four like jalen suggs was clearly the fourth pick it really worked out well. Great draft for the Orlando Magic. Not something you you would think uh, anyone would say, but they were able to get Suggs and then 
combining people forget that Mo Wagner, Mo Wagner finished the year with the Magic last year. So combining the Wagner brothers down there in Orlando, it's gonna be an interesting Magic team. I guess I'll open it up now. Any other like draft reactions from uh, last night from you, Jay? Uh, what was the Warriors went with Kaminga? Yeah, I That's like Kaminga. I like Kaminga more than the average man likes Kaminga. People are um, very down on Kaminga, but he's, he's a total project. They say, which is interesting for like the war. Like, does the make yeah, sense I, with the Warriors' time? I don't. I don't see him as a project project because i think he has a lot of of pretty good feel for the game obviously he didn't have a great year in the g league or the year that a lot of people expected from him in the g league but he was you know an 18 year old right out of high school playing in a professional league in a bubble like there's that's just a very unique situation and i don't know if that's always going to be the most indicative of what a player is going to be I like Kaminga as a passer. I like him as just a long athlete. And I don't think he'll end up being on the Warriors long term, though. I, I I would guess that the Warriors are going to trade both of those guys they picked and, and maybe James Wiseman, too, and get somebody in there to help Steph and Draymond and Clay Thompson try to win another title. Because if you don't, then that team I don't think has enough to to win. And and then what are you doing? What are you really doing with Stephen Curry, like wasting Stephen Curry's last prime years? It just seems like a huge, huge mistake to me, especially when you have a lot of trade chips like they do. Yeah, no, that's like all the speculation was that they're trying to figure out uh, just a way to get another established player. The tough thing for the Warriors is that they are paying Andrew Wiggins $35 million a year, which is going to be tough to move on from, but someone's going to do it. There's not a lot of free agents this year, and there's a lot of teams that do have cap space. Um, any other takeaways from the draft? I mean, James Booknight, Nick Friedman combination, I think is going to be pretty potent down there in Charlotte. Uh, now that Devontae Graham, I don't think is coming back. Um, the the Terry Booknight, LaMelo backcourt, and the Hornets got um a plumley so anytime you can combine a plumley and a zeller on the same team uh you better watch out how do you feel about your guy friedman getting roasted by lamello in that that drill or whatever it was and then then espn posting it for for everyone to see That's he's he's got to provide better resistance no, the point of the drill is to build up confidence of the player. If, the, if Nick Freeman just locks him down and LaMelo's confidence is shattered, the point is just to show and like let LaMelo kind of go to the rim. You had the guys with the pool floaty behind him. It's just about building up the confidence of the player, getting reps in. Um, if I, anything, you got to uh, kind of knock Nick Freeman for a little bit of a bold spot coming through uh, and that being posted on, oh, wow. on SportsCenter. That's, that's the thing. You maybe get some uh, just for Mangel or whatever. That's the thing I knock uh, Nick Freeman on, not for the defense. The man knows how to run a defensive drill, and he's been scored on by some of the best players in the NBA, and that's on purpose. So I'm not going to knock him for uh, doing his job. For those who don't know, Nick Friedman is Packard's buddy who is on the Hornets coaching staff, 
he was guarding LaMelo ball in some sort of drill and LaMelo went by him and threw down a loud, loud dunk that became a highlight video on the internet for everyone to see. Um, my other takeaways, my, one of, one of my favorite draft picks just because it's fun is Sharif Cooper to the Hawks. I love that the guy who kind of plays like Trey Young is now Trey Young's backup. And I am a huge, huge Sharif Cooper supporter. I think there is a world where that guy becomes awesome in the NBA. I know he's really small. I know he couldn't really shoot in college. I realize that neither of those things bode well for his NBA chances. But he's just ridiculously skilled offensively with the exception of his shooting. Like His passing is incredible. His handle is incredible. He can draw contact. He gets to the free throw line. He is just, he has a lot of game. So, so there's a lot of 48, 48 minutes of Trey and Sharif could be fun. There's a lot of clamoring on uh, the Celtics draft nerds' Twitter. They wanted Sharif Cooper or they wanted BJ Boston at that 45th spot. Sure. I, I, I just don't know how a, a, Small 6'1 point guard would have fit in with the uh, Boston Celtics. Didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But I also haven't been watching the YouTube clips for the past three months. So um, hopefully it works out for Cooper. Uh, and I, I think the, to, to, on the flip side of that, the Celtics now have three young prospects who are like 6'6-ish and athletic and should be able to switch on a lot of positions. And so if if they get two of those three with Romeo, Aaron Neesmith, and Begarin, if they get one or two of those guys to hit, and all of a sudden you have another young guy in that same versatile mold who will be able to switch everything, get out in transition – be really athletic next to Tatum and Brown, then like that, that could be a difference maker. You just need so. to hit on one. You just need to have one guy who can be like evolve into competent starter. Cause I feel like the way the league is now is like you have your ball handler, you have your one big man, and then you have your three swings that you got two of them. And if one of the kind of Romeo Neesmith, uh, what position is Yam? Yeah, Yam more of a guard, right? He's Yam's a point guard. So, but you just need one of these guys to come in and just be a competent starter. Uh, Why do you week. never know what Yam is? We have talked about Yam several times, and you never remember what Yam Madar is. I feel like it's because I'm threatened by him because he has such a similar name to my name, and so I don't really, uh, really want to acknowledge his existence. But we did have a question from Duckworth Bob asking where Yam would have gone in this draft now that he's an improved shooter. Jay, I'm going to let you answer this question. Give me the exact draft position Yam would have gone uh, if he was in this draft instead of last year's draft. I have no idea, but I will say this. When I think he, he would have gone 23 to the Rockets, personally. When, <laughs> when he was drafted, shooting was his obvious weakness, and then he followed that up with like 41, 42% shooting in a tough league in Israel on pretty tough diet of shots. So he absolutely improved his standing. He absolutely improved 
his biggest weakness. And he's he's definitely an interesting prospect. I don't know how good he will be. I don't know if he'll ever be a viable NBA rotation option. But he's got flash. He's got pizzazz. And he's got gumption. Ooh. But does he have edge? I Oh, he's got edge. Yam's an edge guy. I mean, it's it seems like Summer League is going to be Team Edge. And it, whether or not they are stick around enough to gain that experience uh, is going to be the big question. Before we wrap up, I just had to mention that I did not watch the draft live. I was actually at the Red Sox game, but I was very much following on Twitter because baseball is extremely boring. And I think a huge takeaway from at least my Twitter timeline was the Kendrick Perkins experience as a draft analyst. And as so, I didn't watch it live. I can't speak to it. I'm assuming you did. Uh, I think believe you podcasted about this on the uh, the Athletic NBA show. Can you just give me a little flavor of what uh, what I missed from Perk last night? So I wasn't able to catch all of it on TV because I was on the Athletic Draft Show, um, and so I was I was watching with the the draft muted actually, but we were getting. Perk alerts is what they call them. <laughs> Whenever he said something on the outrageous side, he compared Scotty Barnes to Draymond Green. Naturally. He compared Jonathan Kaminga to Jordan Bell. He That one is uh, uh, odd. He needed m- several attempts to say Moses Moody's name properly. <laughs> Um, it was, oh, and he called Evan Mobley the next Bill Russell. That's, that sounds like a four for four. Like that's the kind of draft analysis I'm, I like, it sounds like if I was on the broadcast and you just asked me to come up with things to say, except I never won an NBA championship. Yeah. He's got a little more clout than, than you do. I'm not um, saying he doesn't. I'm saying he definitely has more clout than me, but it sounds like the, uh, we both can come with some pretty inane takes based on nothing. And I, I will say this perk is the most entertaining man alive. Like he is, he is pure electricity. Every time he steps to the mic, he never fails to say, was he actually in Barclays or is he broadcasting from the coffin inside his Texas home? No, he was he was in in the building right next to Jay Billis, and uh, he was providing the the entertainment. You know, Jay Billis is there to break down the prospects, and Mike Schmitz is there to break down the prospects, and Kendrick Perkins is there to let loose a little bit. So he he, he gave what the broadcast needed. I mean, I'm all for it. You're you're here on this podcast to break down the players, to break down the basketball, and I'm here to entertain. And so you kind of you need that dynamic on any successful basketball entertainment venture. So if Perk is going to say some nonsense on live television, that only makes it more likely in the future that I might be able to say some nonsense on live television in the future. So um, shouts to Perk for kind of paving, paving a path for um, I think that's dumb a takes. False, false equivalence there. It might be, but it the, the fact of the matter is I don't have to make much sense. That's that's what Perk is doing for me is that it doesn't matter what you say is as long as you say it with enough gumption and enough edge. And if you have the proper experience, you can really say whatever you want. I can't believe you said gumption. You said we, gumption three minutes ago. I know. That's why you can't use it. Oh, right you, you have the ownership on the word gumption. 
Yeah, no, nobody uses gumption within two minutes of another gumption usage. I'm going to keep saying gumption uh, more and more. Is gumption potable? Twice. Anything is potable! 